Hi, this is Dr. Annie Weissman, and this is Compassionate Las Vegas Podcast. Welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast where we highlight the strength of our city, the spirit of our people, and share your stories of compassion. This is Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm your host, Will Rucker, and I am absolutely thrilled that you have joined me for today's podcast. We always have amazing guests and incredible stories, but we rarely reach the importance level of life and death. While we tackle tough subjects and important subjects, life and death is kind of the pinnacle, and that is our topic for today. Our guest is so well suited for this topic because she quite literally was on the brink of death herself. Let me tell you about her. Dr. Annie Weissman is the Director of Wellness and Integrative Medicine with the UNLV School of Medicine. She is working to develop wellness and integrative medicine curriculum and workshops for the medical students, faculty, and residents. Previously, Dr. Weissman worked in the field for 13 years as a massage therapist in HIV AIDS clinics and hospices. She was awarded the Jefferson Award for Public Service for this work in 2007 and has presented her research numerous times at the Nevada Public Health Association and American Public Health Association conventions and was chosen to attend the Clinton Global Initiative University in Miami, Florida. Dr. Weissman spent 13 years caring for people living with HIV and AIDS, as well as volunteering and working for hospice patients. During this time, she developed continuing education classes for nurses and other healthcare providers to help teach some techniques that are soothing for patients and non-pharmacological. Her role now with the medical school will be to introduce these and many other techniques to the medical students, faculty, and residents to help them manage their own stress, as well as to help provide a broader understanding of integrative treatments for their patients. Dr. Weissman earned her BA, MPH, and PhD degrees from UNLV, Human Touch, Perceptions of Self-Efficacy from a Non-Pharmacological Treatment for Individuals Living with HIV-AIDS. Additionally, she studied at the University of Cape Town with New York University in a four-week immersion course where she worked with the families and patients in a community setting. She specializes in integrating massage therapy and other integrative practices into the care and treatment of patients. Dr. Weissman has taught therapists about her integrative techniques and works to teach patients, care providers, and families techniques they can use at home. This is definitely an episode you're going to want to listen to more than once. So without further ado, let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have been looking forward to this conversation since you accepted my invitation. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I'm going to start with the toughest question that I have. You know, I racked my brain and said, what can I ask that is profound, that is thought provoking, and that is challenging all in one? And I came up with this question. Who are you and how do you define compassion? Mm. Wow. I am a human being who has lived through an extraordinary 41 years so far. And that has taught me compassion and humility in a number of ways. 
I define compassion by showing up and being with people in moments of need or actually just in this life. I mean, it's, it changes and evolves so rapidly like we've just seen. So I think just being present and holding space for this human experience that we're having, I think for me, that's compassion. Beautifully said, being present and holding space in this human experience. I love it. So why don't you just kind of tell us your story? Because I, of course, know your background and the history, but you have lived quite an extraordinary life, extraordinary life, excuse me. And the, the story that is you, I think, is compassion embodied. So just kind of walk us through real quickly what sets you on this journey to get you where you are today. Mm, gosh, I've, I think I've just had so many teachers from life experience. Um, you know, waking up here in 1999, um, I had been in a real serious car accident. And I suffered, you know, life-threatening injuries and a severe traumatic brain injury. And the right side of my face was completely shattered and they had to put it back together with plastic surgery. And I had really limited cognition and um, neurological functioning. That was an incredible teacher of compassion. It, um, to go from being quote unquote normal, whatever that means, and you know, healthy and young and vibrant to waking up in my parents' home and not knowing what I was doing there and then realizing that my life had changed so dramatically. That was one of my biggest teachers. It, um, the recovery from that took, I would say, probably the last 20 years, really. And um, I think having lived through something like that, it just, it taught me how quickly life changes, how, you know, even as I was healing for the, the first couple of years, I didn't look um, quote unquote normal. Like I suffered um, Bell's palsy on the right side of my face for quite some time and my jaw had been wired shut. And so it was, it was obvious if we were just looking, if you were looking at me and you didn't know me, you would know something was wrong and they had to shave part of my head. So Initially, like in going out in public and being treated differently, that was a real teacher. I had never in my life until that point been, you know, cast out or felt like, a, like I was different or other. And that was a real, um, real hard, real difficult experience. And also something that I just, I remember the feeling so strongly in my body. And so as my healing and growth continued, I just have hoped to live a life of inclusion and drawing people in. If I notice in a group that there is someone who may be left out or looked upon differently, I, I just remember that feeling and try to very quietly bring them into the fold. That feeling of inclusion, I think, speaks to the heart of compassion mm -hmm. and really the, the desire of all of us as human beings. We want to feel seen, we want to feel loved, and we want to be included. 
And I think mm-hmm. that actually is what feeds a lot of what we view as being polarized. You know, of course, we're in an election year, so mm-hmm. got all of that drama to deal with. But what it comes down to is people find their tribe and that gives them a sense of purpose and identity. And mm-hmm. even though we may see the path differently, mm-hmm. our end goal really is the same as what I found. Mm-hmm. That's such a beautiful way of stating it. It yes, it's that human need for belonging and acceptance and like finding your tribe. Yeah. So so one of the things that of course makes us feel the most separated in many instances is death. Now mm-hmm. you spent years working with people who were dying. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that, especially given the the time we live in where so many have lost loved ones to COVID-19 and are facing death themselves because of that. How do we journey through this experience? Oh, that's, that's a big question. Um, something that comes up for me as I think about this, as I worked in hospice for a lot of years, and initially when I was learning more about this disease and thinking about how many people were dying alone, um, that just really calls I want to be there. I want to be able to help and bear witness and to just help people transition. Um, it's, I worked at Nathan Adelson for a lot of years and our company motto there was no one should end the journey of life alone, afraid or in pain. And that's something I believe with every fiber of my being. Um, working with death is, is an incredible, incredible sacred gift. Um, I was called to do it after my own near fatal accident and it was really interesting because, you know, so often in our culture, we really shy away from this natural life cycle that we all live. And, you know, especially in the culture and the time that we're alive for, there's so much emphasis on youth and beauty and all of that, which is fine. And there's this other really beautiful part of life as we get older, if we're lucky enough to get older and we near the end of our life. And that's a really sacred time. So I worked as a massage therapist during that point and was able, I had pediatric patients all the way through geriatric. And it's an incredible thing to be with people and to, if they're able to converse, to converse and just meet them where they are and provide whatever comfort and love can be provided. Because up until the moment we die, we are fully alive even if we're not responsive, even if whatever our disease conditions are. And so one of the things I really loved about it is just the the perspective. People that I was taking care of in hospice were usually so, just so alive and grateful and kind. And if we would get into conversation, some of the greatest stories I've heard were at those bedsides. And just- Yeah, and things like that they wish that they would have, had they known their life was coming to an end, what they would have done differently and what they would have cherished. And so every day that I would go to work, it was such a wake-up call. I would come in with my whole, you know, whatever was on my mind as I was driving into work, and then I'd pick up my sheet for the day and see my list of patients, and it all just flew away. It was like, okay, here I am, and I get to do this work. And it was the greatest work I've ever done. I loved, loved, loved doing massage therapy and hospice. And it was really special. And I think death, 
right now there's so much grief. You know, we're grieving the loss of the life that we knew prior to this pandemic. That's true. Um, we're grieving our sense of safety and security for many. We're grieving job losses. There's so much grief right now. And so um, I also hope to, to normalize grief and have some compassion along with it. Mm-hmm. All of us are grieving in different ways. And one of the things with grief is frequently when we're grieving one thing, all of the things that we have grieved previously, it's like a magnet, I find. And it just pulls all of those old wounds and hurts up. So yes, it does. Being really patient with each with ourselves, with each other, and and allowing that space to mourn. Mm-hmm. Something that frustrates me um, in the way that in our culture we've we've grieved or we've we I've heard spoken about grief is like that time frame, you know, that we tend to think. And I think, I don't know why we say this, but it's like, well, but it's been blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And I know probably really good intentioned, Mm -hmm. however, comma. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, it's just one of those things that ebbs and flows and moves. And sometimes, yes, we may feel okay. And other times it's like this overwhelming emotion of loss and fear and grief and allowing us that space to let it move. I think is really compassionate and and it shows that we're alive. Yes. Yes. And by allowing it to move, the hope is that it won't get stuck in our bodies. Yeah. You know, as as a former massage massage therapist, like when emotion doesn't have the when we don't aren't able to give it voice or give it expression, it can become stuck in our bodies. And it's something that I, I believe is something that causes all kinds of different issues for us physiologically. So let's talk about that for a second. The mind-body connection is powerful. It used to be thought of as one of those woo-woo subjects that only the weird crystal-loving ladies looked at. But now yeah. it is becoming science. Talk a little bit about how they truly are connected. Uh, it is. It, so it's just the mind and the body are inextricably linked. And I don't know at what point, well, we know at what point the head was kind of taken off the body as in the study of medicine, but thank goodness it's being placed back on very firmly. And we're really, people are really waking up to just how powerful we are and just how much our brains and our minds and the thoughts that we think and just everything that we are doing as the organisms that we are, are inextricably linked. They're all connected. And so... I studied and trained with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, and I teach mind-body medicine courses um, with our students. And it's fantastic because it's a way of remembering the natural power and like strength that we have within us. So through our breath, by changing our breathing. So I'll teach a soft belly meditation. And it's, you know, as we breathe in through our nose, we think of the word soft. As we exhale through our mouth, we think of the word belly. It is the simplest meditation I've ever learned. My teacher, Dr. Gordon, taught it to me. And you, what I love about this technique is I can do it anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, you know, you, we've been in some meetings where it's like, oh my goodness, and it goes on and on and on. Yes. I just, you might see my mouth open just a little space. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta breathe here. Yeah. I'm just resetting my nervous system. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful about that breath is that it takes us out of fight or flight. 
So, you know, what's interesting about also being alive today is we have so much going on, you know, that our nervous systems are constantly aroused. So we don't live in a, most of us don't live in a real natural cycle where we wake up with the sun, we eat when we're hungry, you know, we go to bed or we kind of begin to relax when the sun goes down. We have a real unique cycle. So we have things dinging and beeping and, you know, all kinds of different things that are constantly alerting our nervous system. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to learn how to breathe and how to change your physiology. Because then for me, I can notice when I'm starting to tense up, okay, I need to do something. And I can start with breath. Or then I can move into like a mindful eating activity so that as I'm thinking about what I'm going to feed myself, it's like, hmm, which part of myself am I feeding? Is this for my emotional body? Is this for my physical body? Like, what am I doing here? So it's, it's fun. And then, you know, we do a lot of shaking and dancing. It's active meditation. To that, to that point that we were talking about a little bit ago, so much gets stuck in our bodies, um, I believe, energetically. So when we can bring movement back through, maybe it's exercise, maybe it's walking or running or dancing or shaking, but that movement really helps to release those feelings. And the first time I did this meditation, I had flown to South Chicago to do this workshop. It was a couple of weeks after October 1st here. And they introduced this active meditation and they tell us that we're going to all stand up and shake and dance. And I'm thinking, mm-mm. What's going on? <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. Yep. So, um, and I'm in a room with about 200 or so people who were formerly in gangs or had been involved in gang violence. And then there's me like, Hey, and Oh boy. Yeah. I fit right in and we all got up and then we were asked to shut our eyes and then they put on this tribal beat and we started shaking and I can't even, the emotion that came out of me doing that, like I cried, like I have never cried and I could see faces of people who I had taken care of in hospice who I never properly grieved because I had normalized death to the point where it was just like, well, this is my job. This is what I do. And it was so liberating to feel all of the feels and to have that movement bring all of that forward. I thought, Ooh, I've been missing all this. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings is life's going to hurt, but it's meant to be felt. And that's just a reminder that Life is 360 degrees. There are wonderful high highs, but there are also wonderful low lows. And we need to experience it all to have the fullness of life. So I want to kind of back up just a bit. You hadn't grieved people you didn't know, but that you had experienced because of your work. Talk to us a little bit about that, because a lot of us still feel grief because of course, you know, everywhere you turn, COVID is on the news right now. And for, I'm sure, years to come, kind of like the 9-11s and other tragic events, how do we process this grief for people we don't even know? And how do we give ourselves permission to feel the feels, as you say? Mm. How do we give, I think, noticing. I think it's awareness, you know, first noticing that when you, when, you're noticing how, when we notice how we feel, when we notice that there, maybe it's a story on the news or a colleague or a friend telling you about a loved one who has died from this disease or something that impacts us. I think for me, it's 
really feeling it and grieving that loss in our human family and knowing that we're all inter there's this interconnection that we all share so your grief is my grief i might not feel it the same way as you do but man i i have i have felt this and i will just be here with you in it and so i think allowing just the space to, and and normalizing it it goes know? back to your definition of compassion which is being present with that person mm -hmm. So yeah, feeling that. Do you notice that there are things in your body perhaps that would be a clue? Are there anything, symptoms we can look out for? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know where you hold your stress or you hold your emotions. Like a lot of us feel, people will tell me when I'm teaching, like if I say, oh, like, do you feel that in your belly? Like a gut feeling, most people resonate with that. Or like when I'm doing intake for massage, like tell me where you're holding your tension. Most people are like, oh, up here in my shoulders or up in my neck or my low back or, you know, so I think the chest, you know, it's like this in all of the ancient traditions, our heart space, our heart chakra is where we believe like the emotional um, body really is. So that's where we're holding a lot of those feelings and what comes up. Our guts are also a real good indicator. You know, when we're nervous, you noticing like, some people will get diarrhea. Some people will become constipated. Some like paying attention to your digestion, just kind of slowing down and noticing your body, you know, like from your feet all the way up. I like to start with the feet. Like, do I feel grounded right now? Or am I like just flighty and all over the place? Because sometimes that's how I will be if I have too much on my plate or I'm over caffeinated. So like, am I grounded? Hold right on. Now? Hold There's up. no such thing as over caffeination. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Good. Well, <laughs> <I'm> a, <laughs> I agree. But like, so like just noticing in my feet, like, do I feel this connection to the earth right now? Or am I just living in my head? Am I noticing what my legs feel like? Do they feel heavy or do they feel light? Am I moving? What do I feel like in my hips, in my sacrum, in my pelvis? What do I feel like in my belly? What do I feel like in my chest? How are my lungs? You know, in traditional Chinese medicine, the or, there's a lot of organ pairings for emotions, and our lungs in that tradition are the hold it, that's grief. Wow. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting. Like while we're grieving, having breath, being really conscious of our breath, and really doing things to like move that move that air, like a good long run, a good hike, something something to get in your body and really respirate yeah. and then feeling your arms. Like, what am I holding on to? What's happening in my shoulders? What's going on? Like sometimes our hands might feel like we've been carrying a lot. So just, I like to do a body scan, my throat. Like, am I speaking my truth? Am I able to verbalize what I'm feeling in my body with what I'm thinking in my head? Like this is the translator. Is it coming out? So I like to scan my whole body and then like up here, am I connected with my higher self? Am I honoring my spirituality? Am I noticing that connection I have with all of humanity? Mm -hmm. And so I like to feel like, okay, from my feet on this earth, to my, my head attached to this heaven, how do I feel in between the two? Yeah. Sometimes I'll even hold my wrist. It's like, I'm going to give out all this love that I can also realizing I'm not going to take on all this stuff that's not mine. Mm -hmm. You know, in touching people for a living for all those years, there's a lot that comes through based on what we're touching. 
So I could be working, doing massage all day, and I felt great going in, and whoo, <laughs> felt like something else coming out. So remembering that we're just in this constant exchange of energy. Well, how do you maintain your vibrancy? One thing that I always look forward to when I see you is number one, a great hug. You're a fantastic hugger. And the other thing is just the energy that you bring with you in every space. I'm telling you, there's not been a time I've encountered you where you did not have this vibrant, joyful, yet centered and peaceful energy about yourself. So how do you maintain that? Wow. Thank you. Um, hmm. I, I get sleep. I, I'm a sleeper. So um, I sleep. I try to take a bath just about every night. <laughs> And like, I, I'm a marinator, like I will get in that bathtub with whatever's happened in my day and I will marinate for about 20 minutes and just soak. And when I pull up that plug, it's like, oh, that's going down the drain. <laughs> so I love that. That can be, so every episode we do a practice <laughs> where we, we give someone something tangible. So today I'm just going to start early. Ours is going to be a bathtub drain. So get in the tub, marinate. And when you pull that plug, let everything wash away. So hashtag yes. wash away. Yes, this is it. I'm telling you, I have done this for 20, since I've been a massage therapist. And it wow. is a godsend. For me, it's just a way of like washing the day off. Like I can think about what happened in it. I can marinate with it for the time that I'm in there. But when that drain's getting pulled, that stuff's going down. That's it. Let it wash away just like the, the dirt is just going. Yeah. yeah. And oh, that's amazing. Know, I don't know. I think almost dying 20 years ago, 21 years ago. I've been really blessed because I, I know with every cell of my being that this is just for now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to live, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to do what I need to do in order to you know, do my job and to be a productive member of society. But I'm also going to live and have fun and enjoy each moment because I don't know when it's, when it's done. So I feel like I'm so blessed and I got to have this second chance to be alive. Yeah. and that that really fills me with a lot of joy. And you know what you just sparked for me is this uh, pandemic gives us a second chance as a human community to, yes. to live again, to really yes. live. Yes, and think about what it's gonna feel like when we get to go back out. What like, what I took for granted, even after almost dying 21 years ago, like, oh man, I, and I remember I used to journal, like, I hope I never forget this. And you know, I did a bit, but like, just with the savoring and the gratitude for these, the normal days, like whatever that means, but just being able to be together and, yes. and live and travel and create. This is a really, it's an incredible time. And the amount of human suffering that's going on is, it takes my breath away. And so my, my hope, my prayer, my intention through all of this is just to show up wherever I can with love and with light and just to be with people, meet them where they are and walk through this. All the people that I used to work with in the hotels, I worked part-time part -time and full-time in the hospice over the years. I also worked in the hotel spas so I have. So it was a really interesting mix because half of my day was, or half of my week was death and dying, and half of my week was like beautiful, luxurious spots. Right, we're vacationing. <laughs> so it was kind of nice mentally and emotionally, but um, you know, all of my friends that I did that beautiful work with, they've all lost their jobs right now, and so 
I think just, I think I'm hopeful that this will bring out a whole new way of being and a whole new way of creating and helping each other. And that's the hope of this podcast is really to, to spread stories of compassion and let people know amazing people like you exist and are active in our community. So I want to transition us just a bit to the UNLV School of Medicine. How did you even get connected there? And how did you integrate your your practice, I'll call it, into your profession there? Mm, I love UNLV School of Medicine. I am so, so proud to be a part of it. And it is the unlikeliest story. So (laughs) I was, um, towards the end of my PhD, I was studying public health. So social and behavioral health. And I was working as a massage therapist at Nathan Adelson and at Caesars Palace. And I was also working on a grant and we were funded to provide comprehensive sex ed in African-American churches. So yes, we had, it was the coolest times. I was a busy, busy woman. Yes, sounds like it. I, I know you, were, it, you are a very busy. It was a trip because you like you meet people and they're like, "So, what do you do?" And like, my jobs involve death and sex. So, <laughs> full spectrum. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was such a cool time, and we had hosted this community luncheon, and my colleagues didn't care to work the check-in table. And I was like, oh, I don't care. Like I was a hostess in college at restaurants. Like I love greeting people. That's fine. So I sat down and I'm checking people in. And our founding dean, Dr. Atkinson, was one of the people that I was checking in. And we ended up having this incredible conversation. And I asked her, I said, you know, Dr. Atkinson, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. And I was really pleased that she had come to this small community luncheon that we were hosting. I was very happy as a public health human that she was getting to know the community. And it it really moved me that like, you're here to build a medical school and you're at our luncheon. Like, yes. So anyway, we ended up having this conversation and all of my research has been in massage therapy and HIV and AIDS. And so um, I just spoke to her at length and said, you know, here's what I'm working on. And I'm really curious as you design this school, what are your thoughts you know, about the health and well-being of the students? What are your thoughts about training them in all of the integrative methods? I'm really looking to create a whole person type of care here in our community. And she was fantastic. And she, you know, this is what she came here to do. And she believes in this wholeheartedly. So she gave me her business card. And I said, oh, thank you so much. And I put it away, forgot all about it, because I was in like full dissertation mode at this point. And it was like, I got to get out of school. So um, a couple months later, we were driving to California and I was talking to my husband and my son. And I was like, you know, I need to call. I need to send an email. That woman was so nice. And lo and behold, I sent an email. I got one right back. And um, when we returned, I was called in to meet the people who were, had come together to form the school. And at that point, it was only a handful of people that were on board for this forming school of medicine. And I shared what my ideas were and what my passion was for our city and the health of our city and how we could maybe help create a different way forward. And so I interviewed and was offered the job to be the director of wellness and integrative medicine. And so I started part-time while I was finishing my doctorate. And then when I graduated, it was the greatest day. And (laughs) they all came to my dissertation defense, which was really special. It was a labor of love. I had started that program as a volunteer many, many moons ago. And this changed my whole trajectory. Um, And my dissertation essentially was the culmination of the project I started 
um, as a massage student in the AIDS clinics. So um, it's been really special to be there. I'm so proud of the students we have. I'm so proud of the intention behind every single thing that's been done there. And I know that the physicians that we're training are the types of people that I would go to as, I would seek out as a physician. They are trained to take care of body, mind, and spirit. They are trained in that whole person part of care. We talk to them at length about all of these different integrative modalities. We talk to them quite a bit about their own health and well-being. And I'm just really proud of the humans that we get to train there. They are awesome, awesome people. How have the hospitals been receiving them? Are, are they receptive to this? Because, and I ask because a lot of places, one of the challenges is the doctor is in and out in you know 30 seconds and like for the ERs, they're paid based on how many people they see versus the care they provide. You know, so all of these things factor in. Mm-hmm. So do you prepare your students for that aspect as well? How does all of that come together? Oh yeah, so... Um... I'm thinking a story popped in. One of my students who was in our first cohort, he came in, I was teaching him shortly after they had started their clinical rotations in their third year. And he's like, Dr. Weissman, I just want to tell you this story. And they had a patient who really, really, really wanted to go outside and they couldn't because of whatever the disease process was. And my student was telling me that he noticed that the window or there was a window in this patient's room and the blinds were closed. And so he told the patient, he's like, you know, well, I can't take you outside. I can open your blinds a little bit so you can see outside. Would you like that? And he's like, it made that person's whole day. And I was like, brava. So like, I feel like these students get it. And, you know, a lot of hospitals are really embracing this. I'm so, UMC, they have this wonderful group of nurses that has started this tranquility program. So they provide. They provide essential oils and energy work. It's called Healing Touch. And they do all kinds of work throughout the hospital there. And, you know, patients are are asking for this. I think what has been done so far in medicine has been pretty miraculous and amazing. Absolutely. The best thing we can do is bring all of the healing modalities together so that we can fully take care of people. And I think our students are doing a really good job of integrating that even if they're not super receptive to whatever the modalities are it's in their consciousness they understand that you know to ask people about what their belief systems are how they would like to be treated like involving them in their plan of care is really important you know having we're really facilitating the students learning to be in relationship with their patients getting rid of that like hierarchical i'm your doctor (laughs) No, no, you are human taking care of a human, find out how you guys connect. And then with that trust, with that relationship, build on it, create some different health outcomes, figure out how they want to receive medicine, what that means to them. All right, their first lecture is check your face. (laughs) Well, I need that lesson because my face tells it all. Mine does too, but this is important (laughs) because as we're learning more about patients, if you make that face, they're not going to tell you anything else (laughs) in order to take really great care of someone. We've got to just be open and figure out who they are and how they are. (laughs) (laughs) So if you had a magic wand and you could change one thing or some things about our city, where would you start and why? Oh, if I had a magic wand and I could change one thing about our city, I would change access. 
I would, I can I make it a two-parter access and I think more of an equal sharing of resources. I think if anything that this pandemic has shown a huge light on, it is how many are right on the fringe or right on the cusp. And so I would, I think we have a really compassionate city. I think we have an incredibly philanthropic city. I would like us to take that even further so that there is no one that is left out so that all of us can rise. And I think as this virus is showing us, anyone who is vulnerable, that affects all of us. Like global health is such um, a humbling, beautiful way of showing how interconnected we really are. Mm-hmm. You know, like this, if that, this pathogen hasn't shown that, it's like, I don't know what can. It's amazing. The, the thing that I've said in probably every episode of this podcast, because it always comes up this theme of interconnectedness and how we're a global society, whether we like it or not. I'm, I'm reminding people, we used to think we were neighbors on the planet, but yeah. this has shown us we're not neighbors, we're roommates. And we need to- oh. <laughs> Totally. totally. Yeah. 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 We are roommates. And I think Oh, it's time. It is time. Like, okay, let's not be that college roommate anymore. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, let's, let's clean up after ourselves. Let's make our beds. Let's like do these things that just make it a little bit nicer for each other. Yeah, the little things are the big things, you know, it does matter. Yeah. So you've added life coach to your resume recently. Tell me about that. <laughs> so this was a blessing and a surprise. Um, I was asked to participate in this coaching. And um, I laughed and I said, you know, I'm not a life coach. And my sweet friend said, but you have gone through so much. I feel like you naturally could do this. And I thought, I will give it a whirl. So (laughs) what I'm learning in my coaching is it's really just being human together. (laughs) So I think it's being human together and having that safe place to what my coach taught me was that it was a safe place to just like lay it down and be like, okay, so this is what's happening and I don't understand. And then she would pick up on stuff and kind of reiterate to me what she was noticing. So I'm trying to do that with our um, friends in the coaching program, you know, and then COVID popped up. So um, that morphed everything into a, also a little bit of a different time, but I'm rolling with it and it's fun. And I, I really enjoy being with people. So yes, I am trying this coaching thing right now and getting to meet so many incredible leaders. This town is full of angels that are doing just incredible work. And so bringing everyone together, I think it's just raising this vibration. When I first moved to Las Vegas, the thing that surprised me most was, and I love the, the phrase you use, full of angels. This town really, truly is. And as I've expanded in my spiritual practices, I've discovered so many of my fellow light workers are located right here in Las Vegas. Right? It's amazing to me. So thank you for that. I'm going to steal that phrase too. Yeah, we used to laugh, you know, growing up here. I was like, oh, this place is like the black hole. It'll just suck you back in. (laughs) 
And I'm so grateful it was because as I got sucked back in from my own life choices, all of these different angels appeared along my path. And it was like, yes, child, you were supposed to be back in Las Vegas. You kept trying to leave, but this is your home. Now make it better. Now give that town that love, that light, that healing that you've been able to experience. This is why you're here. I'm so grateful to be a citizen of this compassionate city. And for those listening or watching that may not know, Las Vegas has affirmed the Charter for Compassion and we are a compassionate city. So that is what guides our practices in every area. The School of Medicine clearly is doing a phenomenal job. I've interacted with the classes there, had the opportunity to teach some communication and some of my athletic club members are actually students of yours. So I, I see them out and about and they're the same everywhere I run into them which is fantastic. So thank you so much for the work you are doing. And I'm just privileged to have spent a few minutes with you uh, having this conversation. So how do others connect with you and follow your work and maybe glean from your wisdom? Oh my goodness. So I shared with you, I'm not super active on social media, but I will be coming more. So I think <laughs> my um, email address is a n n e period w e i s m a n at unlv.edu. Please feel free to reach out to me anytime at that. Any, I love ideas. I love collaboration. So please, please reach out if you have anything that comes up and you want to chat or talk or work together. I am an open book. So let's go. Beautiful. Well, I like to end every show with just a summary of how you are embodying compassion in Las Vegas in the world. You gave us so much in this short time, the soft belly breathing, the bath where we wash it away. You know, you're just, you're just full of this. So in summary, I know that's going to be hard, but how, how are you embodying compassion today? Today I'm actually working on self-compassion. So today I had another presentation this morning and um, I can be pretty critical of myself when I am asked to do different things with different audiences. And today, instead of thinking about all of these things, I practice self-compassion and that was really groovy and new. So this is a newer practice. I'm being compassionate with others is not hard <laughs> with myself. That is, so that was my practice today. Love it. And we'll okay. leave it there. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Will. It was great chatting with you. This has been Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Thank you for listening. This episode was made possible by the Jameson Foundation in partnership with the Moonrich Group. There are so many amazing things happening and so many people have inspirational stories to share. So if you are one of those people, this is your platform. Email me at will at winningwithwill.com. Use the subject line, Compassionate LV, and let me know your story. I'd love to have you on the show or to feature your story in a future episode. Be sure to subscribe. And if you haven't already, leave a five-star review. Your review and rating helps others to find this podcast and helps to further the mission to make Las Vegas a more compassionate place to live, work, and play. I also want you to share your practices for compassion. Today, Dr. Annie Wiseman shared so many amazing tips, including the soft belly breath and washing away stress in the tub. So I also want to hear from you and to get your wisdom on the show. So be sure to include your compassionate practice tip with your five-star review. 
If you didn't know, we are also on YouTube. So if you want to watch the interview and not just listen, look for us on YouTube at Compassionate LV Podcast. Love and compassion aren't luxuries. They are necessities. Live the golden rule and treat others the way you would want to be treated. Together, we can make a difference. Together, we will make the world a more compassionate place. Know that you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. Be well, my friends, and we will meet again on the next episode of Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast.